Welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to the show. Check us out on all social media for more content off the mic. And if you like this episode, be sure to follow along. From the USL to the Premier League and everything in between. Live from Boston, I'm Andrew. I'm Tristan. I'm Jalen. I'm Connor. And we're the Howlers Podcast. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh, wait. If we could just take a serious moment, that actually kind of hit. I kind of hit that (laughs) note a little bit. It's kind of creepy. We also had a couple trick-or-treaters ring our doorbell three times, but I didn't go down there because we don't have candy. Andrew was afraid to go down there. That's the honest. I don't want to turn away someone when they're just looking to enjoy their evening. I had to do it. I would have gave them like a white claw. (laughs) Here you go, kid. My concern would be that because it's <laughs> Halloween night, it actually could be Michael Myers, and we don't we don't want a, a slow death. That would be, it would not feel cinematic while it was happening. So uh, if your doorbell's ringing, folks, and you have a weird gut feeling tonight, maybe just leave it be. Maybe th- just leave it be. The only thing from those movies, though, is that a lot of those houses are like suburban, like white picket fences. Like there's a first floor, back door, front door. Oh like my god! Like we're on the second floor. There's so much. There's there's so many different ways to enter a house in those movies. So. I don't think he could get it. Michael, yeah, like Michael Myers was not targeting apartments. That's actually a great point. Like he's like, I'm going to kill a guy in the fourth floor. First, I got to get in through the entrance, and then I need a key to get to the elevator. Well, actually, and he's standing on the elevator with someone. The only thing about our front door is that you can just punch the glass in. Yeah, he'd be fine. He'd <laughs> get in no problem. <laughs> or just the sheer fact that it's open most of the time. But that is true. All right. I was going to say your guys' door is pretty open to the world, pretty much twenty four seven. Terrifying. Um. And if you need their address, just hit me up on Instagram. You know, I'm good for it. Uh, so we get into points. And I got to say, Mr. Andrew Flores McKenna came out on top this week. Oh, my God. I actually felt really good going into this weekend. You say you say that every every, time. W- every weekend. I That's not true. first. That everything. is so true. No, it's not true. What was the damage, Tristan? So it was not a, I mean, it was not a massive victory. Uh, Andrew, you got eight points and the rest of us got seven. Um, but I, I will add that Andrew did get a perfect pick. I also got a perfect pick. So if you want, I can give you the full season standings right now just to see where we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Rip Bring it. Andrew back down yeah, to earth. Horrible. And as always, as a reminder, you get three points for a perfect scoreline. You get one point for a correct winner um, and zero points for, for something wrong. So right now we are at, should I go top to bottom or bottom to top? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Uh, Connor and I are currently tied for Let's first, go. both with 78 total. However, I would propose that because I have 11 perfect score lines to his nine, I would oh. like win on goal differential. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, 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 we yeah. have to decide what the tiebreaker, because I think I have the best week, if that were the deciding factor. We the don't. best week, I feel like, should come in third. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then came... Jalen with 74, eight perfect score lines. Andrew 63 with five perfect <laughs> You needed this win this week for sure. How are you feeling now after your first win? You feeling good? <laughs> yeah, feeling better than my my team. So wait, yeah, well, technic- like technically, me and Connor had the most right picks though this weekend. Oh, because we got oh, we we had we got seven off straight picks, yeah. but they got they. Hey, that's true. That's a good point. Our perfect scoreline saved us. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, your perfect scoreline bailed you out. Like you didn't get that many right picks, but you got a. We predicted more outcomes. 
I mean, who won? I'm just saying. I'm just saying we're still. We're still I'm just saying we're still good at picking. Yeah. Thank you. It's Jim. getting What's good, folks. You, I, I knew that keeping track of these long term would, would pay off. I think the content will only get better and better because, and, and think about what the total will come to if what the winners at 74 right now. I mean, after 38 game, 34 games, what uh, you know they'll we'll start to there. get. The- Andrew will finally crack 100 by the end of the season, but hey, don't <laughs> count me out yet. Should like w- should we like watch the last like day of prem at like a bar and then like the winner but buys everyone? What no, they- the, no, the the. Losers loser buy buys the winner. I like that. That's a loser buys the whole. The person who comes last buys the whole bar shot. Eight hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like oh, dear sir, your total comes with thirteen hundred bucks. You're like, I'm running out the front door as fast as I can. Uh, Andrew, the the fun is over because we do have to talk about something serious. We have to talk about the <laughs> ETH issue, and I will say, and then I'll let you have the floor. You did bring up. ETH's future at Man United as a topic on this podcast, which I feel like is maybe the first step to you saying that maybe he's not the man for the job. Because in the past, your record had been pretty spotless. You had been ETH all the way. But tell me honestly where you stand right now on this whole thing. I brought that up because I think it's a topic that needs to be brought up. I'm not saying that I want him to be out, but ultimately we're in a position that where we have to win games. And unfortunately, we're not winning games. I wouldn't stack the blame on him entirely, but... Everyone's going to look to him, including ownership. So while I don't think we should sack him, I think he's in a position to get sacked is essentially how I feel. Um, obviously, this weekend was like any other season in terms of facing City. I thought it was very bold of him to put Johnny Evans and McGuire in the back line together. Um, his, substitutions, um, his substitutions during the match were questionable taking Amrabat off, leaving McTominay on. Although I did think McTominay did well, I think taking him out and trying to bring in Mount, or taking Amrabat out, trying to bring in Mount, and have McTominay play the double pivot just doesn't work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he he obviously is to blame, and we just lost to our, obviously, city rivals. And yeah, I, I think, I th- I thought we played pretty well in the first half in terms of, maintaining possession. We looked pretty confident. We obviously got the penalty um, awarded against us, which I feel like I can't really complain. Everyone has calls that maybe shouldn't be called in, in the Premier League. So it's not really a uh, an excuse, but it's just a situation where we went down 1-0. Um, and yeah, I thought the first half went well. I thought, all right, we'll come out in the second half. Uh, it's only a 1-0, win, uh, 1-0 lead for City. So, And then it just all fell apart in the second half. We looked... We don't. It looks like we don't have a game. It looks like like the game plan we had. We just bailed as soon as we obviously conceded again. City looked mm. deadly again when they attack, always cutting us open. Um, Bruno was non-existent. Rashford should probably be benched. Um, and the only shout I'd give to would be Hoysland for his work rate and opportunities, and probably McTominay because of his work rate. I think Mount has been a signing that doesn't really offer much more than what Erickson's doing other than being more and more um, just more young. He's more, he's quicker, but in terms of what his ability is in the ball, Erickson can do the same thing. Um, Casemiro's out. We don't have him. That's a big miss. There's a lot of factors right now that I think don't play into our favor, but ultimately 
this looks like the same old United, and it does. I don't know where my where this club's going. Sergeant Ratcliffe is coming in, on, taking twenty five percent ownership. I don't know what his say and power is in terms of what he'll do from a board perspective, but hopefully it's something good. I'm pretty sure he's in charge of sporting. Yeah, I mean that would be fantastic. A sporting director is something we need. I think Gary Neville alluded to the idea that he'd be gutting basically the front office, which would I think would be a could be bad to start off, but it would. I think eventually play in our favor down the road, but there's a lot of moving parts right now internally with the club. There's a lot of issues with players. There's a lot of issues with injuries and Ten Hag, like you mentioned, this isn't Ajax. I'm not going to play the way I did with Ajax, but then I saw something like, why would you sign three of your former players? It's a good argument, but then again, I think he had the idea of taking those players and implementing it differently with United, but, um, all you can say is Eric Ten Hag is trying. I don't think he deserves to be sacked, but the question is there. I don't know about you guys. I kind of just went on a little bit of a spiel. Yeah, as, no, that's okay. As, as neutrals, because obviously you two will have a different perspective, uh, not only as neutrals, but but Connor, even as a, a supporter Peter. of a rival fan base, I, I might think you do want him to stay as long <laughs> as possible. What are your guys' thoughts on the whole situation? Jalen, I'll let you go first because you've always been a closeted Jalen's yeah, closet yeah. United fan here, so not he, anymore he though. Not, now he's like actually a neutral because they're bad. He's got to wait until they're until they're sick. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a back. typical United. Rasher's not playing well. I'm a, Jalen's I'm a typical out. bandwagon. <laughs> nah, um, I don't think they should sack him. I don't, I don't think any worth comes from sacking really? him at this point. I, they won't get better. Like they won't like the, a lot. What a lot of what's going on in the club, I think personally, is. It's internal. Um, I think there's a lot going on internally. Like, it's like a bad environment there. It's just, like, not a good place to be, in my opinion. Like, I don't I don't really think the atmosphere is good. There's a lot of moving parts, like Andrew said, with the uh, ownership and, like, what they're trying to get. I do think when it comes to the transfer, like, targets, like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, these aren't his players. And then you look at the, thi- you look at the list and it's like, well, look at the money he spent on not Ten Hog players. I mean, uh, honestly, I don't think Armbaud's played that good. I think he's. I don't think they've. They've honestly haven't played him in like a real his position for a long time. But yeah, I would definitely say kind of not to be rude, but lucked out on him going on loan. I don't really think they're going to buy him. But um, I don't know. I I, I don't think uh, sacking Ten Hog is the answer, but. Something has to change, whether it's a starting lineup like that. The video of him saying tactics like that doesn't look good. It's like, what tactic are you trying to employ by putting Johnny Evans over Veron? I thought that was an AI clip the first time I watched it because I was like, there's no way he actually said that. <laughs> it's just crazy. I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going on there, but I don't think sacking him is the answer at this moment. Connor, if you, you, you think the a sacking might be in line? So if I... Or United. <laughs> Coming from the sales background that I do on a day-to-day basis, I would put him on a performance review. So oh, my God. I would, I would set a hard... on a pip. I would set a hard timeline and be like... At this point, I would say you have a month to sort matters out because it's bad right now, but it could get a lot worse. You sit what eighth right now, somewhere in that region. I think haven't eighth. been playing good at all. No matter where they sit, they're five zero oh, and five, which is a pretty insane record for you for <laughs> right. any any big club to have no through ten games. Crazy. And the reason that I would set a hard timeline is because that's gonna 
drive Ten Hag to really find some sort of solution. I think right now he's trying to put a Band-Aid on things, playing very conservative, not playing a specific style. And because of that, he's not getting much out of his players because they're going into games just trying to salvage anything that they can, where it's like if you put his back against the wall and tell him that he has a deadline of when we'd probably be making a decision, then he's going to be forced into either playing his style or just continuing to do what he's doing. And like, I would rather him be forced into a decision. It's like, you know what? I got a month left. I'm going to lay it all out there. We're going to play exactly how I think we should play, how I anticipated playing despite the players that we brought in and just see what happens getting back to that forward-thinking United style that I think we all thought he was going to play as opposed to this sit-in against big teams, not know what to do against mid- to lower-level teams, and then just look horrible all the time. So that's what I would do. Give him a deadline. Be like, you got this much time to sort things out because if he doesn't sort things out in that amount of time, like you have to, you have to change because there's all the factors that play into this but I think the most telling thing with Ten Hag at the moment is the fact that like he doesn't have a single player playing well. Right. And he, as the manager, despite everything else, is responsible to bring some good out of these players. He's not doing that. So that's why I think he's not doing his job as a manager and no matter the climate, and I don't think the signings that he's gotten are particularly bad if you compare it to like a Chelsea. Like Chelsea is just a fucking mess of players. United has been a lot more strategic in the players they signed, and I think he had a hand in a lot of the players he signed. So it doesn't make sense to me why he can't find a bright spot in the team. Yeah, I I agree with the latter part of what you said, and I feel like having heard all three of your opinions now, I'd say I have probably by far the harshest. I would say a sacking is in line, and I think the whole time frame thing is interesting because if, like, if you guys said, you know, okay, I'll give it one more month, a month is really, really long in the Premier League, and they'll have EFL matches coming up. They'll have a ton of prem matches, especially when the festive period starts, so... When you think about putting a time frame on it, if you look at the football they've played so far, November could end up being a very, very, very long and detrimental month for the club's success. You could get knocked out of a cup if you don't show up and come correct. You know, with how with how strong the Premier League is getting year after year, you could end up getting jumped by other teams. So you bring up the signing thing. I think that could be maybe his worst defense in terms of how much money they've spent and what they've gotten out of those signings. I think the only saving grace and you guys have, have articulated this really well is that there is not literally one good player under form right now. And you're right, Connor, he is definitely to blame for that, but there's also an aspect of the players being able to pull themselves out of it and put together a good performance. Like like you said, Andrew Bruno, Bruno was not only non-existent. I actually think he was more harmful than that because he was so negative and because he's oftentimes yelling at players or showing so much emotion to his own team. So being non-existent is one thing, but I think he actually took it an even, even a step further in being a, just a bad leadership presence. He wasn't helpful really in any aspect, and at least sometimes guys can motivate the players around them, but he he's just not seeming like a guy that's doing that right now. So I kind of disagree. I mean, I, I disagree with that point. 
about Bruno. Which point? I don't like. Oh, now here he comes out of the closet. No, no, the only no, the only thing about like the leadership thing is that like we used like a lot of people used to say like Ronaldo's more of a leader than Messi because oh like Ronaldo's more vocal and Messi doesn't say anything on the field. Like there's an old clip of Roy Keane yelling at Ronaldo because he misses a absolute sitter because he tries to do something fancy, and it's like well you can't do that nowadays because the players are so sensitive like. As a captain, you want to be vocal. So, like, if you want to, yeah, you can yell at your team for being negative, yeah. But, like, that's you got to spur something out of him. If he's a quiet captain, that's more to the point of, like, he's non-existent. Like he's, I think, I, I agree, Jay. I think where I would come from is I think that's more situational. I think Roy Keane at the time was the captain of a hugely successful Man United team. So, if you're Ronaldo, I, I think you're more willing to go through something like that. Those guys would be more willing to go through something like that because so, they know when, that but there's likely... The, but, but that's a problem with United again. Where where does the egos go away? They're, I they're a team that I, sucks. So, like, if you can't even listen to your captain when you know you're playing like shit, like, how are you supposed to come together as a team? I, I don't what think... Is, what, I don't, is he, what is he supposed I to do? I think Bruno kind of is a, fa- like I'm, a I'm faulty not, leader in that front. And Micah Richard, Richards talked about it where it's like, Leaders are supposed to lead from the front. They're supposed to put in the work, do everything right. I don't know that Bruno necessarily does that. I think he tosses blame a lot. I think he's done that in post-match, pre- post-match pressure, pre- pressers. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the thing that Michael Richards talked about, and that's something that I've been hot on the tail of Bruno for quite some time, is the fact that he runs around makes it look like he's putting loads of effort into his gameplay, but when he runs around, it just completely fragments the team. So, like, I really wonder what qualities Bruno has to be a true leader and a captain of Manchester United to, like, manage egos, do all that kind of stuff, but I just don't know if he was even the guy to begin with. That strengthens your point, Jay. That strengthens your point, I think, which I, I partially agree with, like, Bruno's not playing well enough right now to where if you're playing next to him and he's like getting after you, you're like, okay, dude, shit's not going so glorifyingly well on your end that like you can be yelling at me for what I'm doing. It's just more for me like a read the room situation. Like that's clearly not going to elicit a great response. And and, and you're right. Times have definitely changed and you just can't do that anymore. And it makes captaining a much more difficult nuanced role. It makes good captains. You know, when you have a great captain, it goes underappreciated because of how things are now. But it just seems like something that that's only making things worse, I guess, or, or exacerbating sort of what's going wrong at the club right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Bruno is a as a captain is it's not good because they're not playing well. I think he's good. He's a good captain when they are playing well. I think he's a good player when they're more progressively thinking in terms of their attacking style of play, but they're not doing that. I don't doubt Bruno as a player. I just doubt his form right now. So, um, yeah. and, and I think he would do well in a Pep Guardiola side, undoubtedly. Like he would. He would do well in an and side because that's more progressive style of play. Um, but ultimately, I don't think Ten Hag isn't capable of doing that. I just think... There's been so much shit dealt his way from an, from a behind the scenes perspective, but I think we're downplaying too much, and we like to like talk. Oh, we love to hear that, but like ultimately, that's just the truth. I think Tottenham is a team that has made changes back in the in um, behind the scenes, and that's why Ange is thriving right now. Um, Liverpool do that. I think Chelsea are trying to do that. Um, Arsenal have done that. Arsenal were a, a club that 
obviously were internally were making horrible decisions and they got a manager and they changed their ways for him and he implemented his own system. I think Ten Hag is trying to implement a system within a club that is unwilling to bend to what Ten Hag is looking in terms of culture. Um, here's my here's my penultimate point with Ten Hag, and this is a song that you guys know I've been singing all season long. You probably already know what I'm going to bring up, and it's that we've touted Ten Hag as this tactical guy, and you just said just now you know, that he's trying to implement a system, but the club isn't willing to do that. I found it harder and harder and harder each week to actually discern what's what that system is. I've had... I've gotten like vague answers. I've gotten sort of roundabout answers, but to me, it's long ball right now. It's smash it long and hope for something good. Tottenham sucked at defending last year, but while watching them, you could tell that they were trying to defend. You could tell they were setting up as a counterattack side. They just weren't successful at it. Other sides, like mostly, mostly promoted sides, I call Burnley to mind. They try and attack the entire game and just throw a barrage that they get caught out at the back, but you can tell what they're trying to do. That brings me to United, who are not winning a whole lot they're winning as much as they're losing but when i watch them for the life of me as much football as i watch i cannot tell what the actual style plays i just want someone to explain that to me that's all i think the style of play is they're trying to help maintain possession within the back line and allow teams to press them and then head them on a counter that's what they're trying to do that's what they did against city that's what they they don't know what to do against smaller teams they never really have since um even since before ten hog Last season, is he's a big play out of the back kind of manager and and maintain possession. He was very very progressive thinking last season. I don't I don't know what's changed. I think it's players that he's brought in. I think it's um, injuries that have plagued him. I think it's his lack in trust in allowing his players to go forward because um, Anthony's not doing it. Sancho's not doing it. Bruno's barely doing it. I know we're kind of beating a dead horse with this topic, but ultimately I think Ten Hag is the guy for a very very more for a much more stable club. Like I think he, I think he would be yeah. very good at a more stable club, which isn't taking away from him as a manager. It's just the reality of Manchester United. We can sack him. We can sack any manager all we want, but look what's happened. We get excited about a new, a new coach. He comes in. He tries to make change. Change is not allowed, and that that manager is blamed for being a poor coach and not understanding what he's trying to do or what the players are trying to do. It's it's too obvious. We like. Let's not sit here and be like, if we sack him, good things will happen. I don't think anybody could come in and change United. Nobody can do that right now. United needs to change internally first for things to change. So that's my last bit on it, and I think we'll wait. We'll have to wait and see. Ultimately, if we sack him, I think we're we're fucked more than we already are. Yeah. So you definitely mm-hmm. be screwed. I mean. I, I do well, think agree. about it though. What? Okay, give a coach a month to see who he likes, and then give him January. United spend money. Could could that even possibly ever happen? Money's not the p- money's not mind? the problem. Money like it's not money. Like it's it's who is deciding who we sign. Yes, Ten Hag. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you bring in the right coach and you give him all of November, Ten Hag was the right matches. Ten Hag is the right coach. But his recruitment hasn't been good. He, his recruitment his recruitment's ha- been really. It bad. hasn't the been good. Have been bad, Andrew. His tactics have not been bad. They've been bad this season. Last season, they were. We got trophies. We, we they made, shouldn't be bad this season. But they that's, are bad this that's season. Where it's like St- stop sitting here and thinking Ten Hag is a bad coach. He's I'm, not. He has tactics. The players, the players he signed, I'm not just hold, let me let me finish my point. The players that he signed, yes, they are his fault. But ultimately, he signed them on a whim because they played well. He signed them because he knows that the players that can impact the squad. But they, like they have, like the only players I can think of that haven't are Anthony and. Um, 
That's like who else has he signed that hasn't panned? Onana's been horrible. Onana has Mount, gotten Mount's been not great in the side. I would add as yeah, well. Yeah, I think, I mean, but I think Mount is a is a is a squad player ultimately. And that's a hundred and twenty. I'm, I'm who saying has, I would say this: who has played well? Who of his signings? Who's been the best? I mean, Casemiro was like arguably one of the best CDMs last season. Martinez was okay, arguably one sorry. of the best center backs last season. I'm saying these I would are say this season. This season, yes, Martinez ha- has an injury. Casemiro has been overused and overworked. So obviously they're not playing well. But to just say that they're not Casemiro good players, has played poorly this season because he's dealt a lot. To he's dealt a lot because his midfield so, isn't helping out. You're, but you're acting that's you're acting like that's a bad no, signing. You're acting too much. Like you're you're saying no. that they were good players when they signed them, but ultimately for a full season, if you sign a player and they don't work out and they aren't playing well, that makes it a bad signing. I don't you think they're a bad on, signing, and I hate to bring Sancho up, is not a good. He was a bad I, signing. Yes, but you hung on to him for two years, saying he was still a good player when you signed him. But if he didn't work out, you're you're quick to say Mudrik didn't work out. But when it comes to United, you're not willing to say that the signings that Ten Hag made because you aren't good because you have a blind faith in them. And I also I don't have a blind I'm faith. I'm also really not I'm I'm really beginning to move away from the narrative that Ten Hag's trying to do so much on the back end and fix all of these things with United. I I'm not believing that anymore. Cuz like how, how would you even know that? How would you know that? Because we can tell that there is a problem at what United with coaches. What has he changed? No, they I signed have, two there's way, coaches, bro. Way more they evidence. Signed, Way well, more evidence. Ole is way, not a quality coach. Way more evidence. And a sporting right. director or whoever they brought in is not a quality what? coach. That doesn't Mourinho, uh, Van Hal. These are players. Mourinho coaches. was successful. These are coaches. Yeah, successful for three seasons. Three seasons, and, and then that was it. Could have been more successful. Mourinho has third syndrome, like third season syndrome. That's not a new thing. I think that you have a blind faith that Ten Hag's doing all this work behind the scene, but at the end of the day, no one in. The front office is going to listen to him if he can't go out and, to Tristan's point, manage a team, play a specific style, or make good signings. If he can't do any of those things, forget whatever he's doing on the back end because his job is to make the team on the field play good football, and he's not doing He that. did it last season. This season it hasn't panned out, but you're acting like he's made more bad signings than he has good, and that's just not right. He has. It's just not true. No, it's not. It's just not. You couldn't name a good one. Martinez Casemiro. Casemiro Hol- they were going to bring in regardless. What are you talking about? They signed Ten Hag. This, didn't they sign him the same summer no, they signed uh, Casemiro? Casemiro was signed after Ten Hag came in. Yeah, like on the fringe. They no, were going to sign him. He was not, desperate. That's, that's, that's a made-up thing. Okay, so you have one good signing still. Two good signings. Listen, I, I, would, Regardless, say, I would say bo- both of you make a closing point as to what, how much blame you think should be assigned to Ten Hag right now. And like a one statement. 50%. 50% him, 50% the players. Actually, 25 the bull. 50-50. Fuck it. 50-50. Yeah. I, I would say right now he's about at 75% to blame if I had to put an amount on it. But, Connor, would you be close to that? Yeah. And I think the more important thing that I'm leaning on is the fact that 100% of the blame should be placed on the type of football that Manchester United are playing. You're playing mm-hmm. the same way we, like... Oh, my gosh. Jay? Uh, uh, I'd probably go, like... I'd probably go like 40. 40% uh, ETH. Well, we will see. I mean, it could end up being a very long month. I don't know what the schedule looks like moving forward, but speaking of struggling sides who have a whale of a task ahead of them, the last thing Chelsea Football Club would have wanted against Brentford (laughs) was to lose (laughs) 2-0. I mean, bad, bad situation. Then, but basically what I love was it was like a hockey goal. It was like an empty net (laughs) hockey goal. The second goal, it's when you're like, 
fuck it send everybody up like we're you see get sanchez this get back that dude was running like a that he guy was running fell. he was running like a four <laughs> second 100 100 yard dash he was cooking all for they're gonna have him at striker next game i think at this point running running behind yeah showing that pace so right now chelsea have a three three and four i mean again the list of teams they play no particular order it's newcastle which will be a tough task brighton man city uh they'll play spurs next on monday which i'm very excited for but uh i I don't know i mean now we're all neutrals of this club um but what do we think about potch is it a similar situation is this i feel like we're being very patient with coaches this year which is fine it's almost sort of a nice refreshing change of pace but would do you think potch is sort of maybe more or less blameless in all this i mean he did have a couple a couple bad subs uh an interesting lineup on a saturday that i think irked a lot of people but where does he fall in all of this do you think well they have like a weird injury bug uh, not like injury bug but like the players that they just signed which makes it look bad a lot of them are injured um i mean i hate to say the point all the time i know andrew doesn't agree with it but it's i think pot i don't want to say potch is in over his head but he's definitely in for it because of just how inexperienced his team is it's just like it's out of this world like the veterans who are who, who would it be sterling technically gallagher and tiago silva are the only like reese james plays 60 minutes robert a game. sanchez is probably the only other player too well i'm oh, just veterans uh, to, to the, the team to the Chelsea. team yeah oh yeah yeah but i'm just veterans like in general he's also a veteran but like Not they really He's still Brent Vets. Yeah, yeah, but he's but he's got he's got minutes. He's a he's a he's player. Like a couple uh, yeah, he's prem That's proven. for Brighton. Yeah, he's a veteran for the at this point. If we're looking at all the young players, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I don't know. They're they're like the the Matson kid, um, who I think is I think is technically pretty. Good. He's too small for the prem. I think he's so weak. And on that second goal, that in Buemo, like he got brushed off the ball like it was nothing, and it led to the breakaway. I mean, obviously Robert Sanchez was in the eighteen yard box, but. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot going on with th- that he has to do. Like the the difference between what's going on with him and Ten Hag is that Ten Hag's players are way way more experienced. They know how to play football. Ten Hag has like just kids and, Poch, and, and Poch, Poch. Oh, oh, sorry, Poch. Poch has kids <laughs> and Tiago Silva, the old man. That and he like there. It's just draining. It's just a very draining experience to watch to hear about. I feel bad for them because I like a lot of their players, but it's yeah. just not working I, out. Anytime now they, that moving forward, they get linked to a player. I'm seeing them linked to like a, a striker, like they're going to make a striker purchase in January. I think basically, obviously, they chopped and changed their entire club, brought in 35 new players, still figuring out what that best lineup is. But any any signings they make moving forward only makes the job harder. That's kind of if I was a Chelsea fan, how I would view it. Now that we have all these new players, and you're right, a lot of them are hurt. Some of them, I think we've seen enough to maybe know how things would go moving forward. But you you have to you have to give them a full season. You have to do a full season of this. It's going to be probably really bad football. I think you'd have to stick with Poch, interestingly enough, and there's no bias there anymore. He is a Chelsea man now. There's there's no love lost between he and I. But you you have to give a full season at worried. this point. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you hope I, so. I, I I don't know. Like I I agree, but then I look at how Graham was treated, how other managers have been treated. I get they're a young squad, but there's still talent there. And a coach, we, we're going to use the same argument. We have to use some of the same argument that we're putting on Ten Hag is like he needs to have this team perform. 
and he is a marquee manager. Like I'd say he is in terms of how the world football looks at him. So mm-hmm. um, I think while he probably should deserve a full season, I don't think maybe that will happen. It's just like the, Chelsea have become this like identityless blob. Like they just are like <laughs> floating throughout the Premier League, and they they spit something out every once in a while, and then they'll suck a coach up, and they'll keep him for a while, then they'll spit him out, then they do the same thing with players. They're just like this this emotionless thing now that just sort of like exists. That. There's they, the history got drained it's like, like a black water hole. in a towel. And what you say? It's like a black hole. Sucks, no, it re- that's, that's how in. I look at it. It's like if it's like a financial black hole. It's just like a weird investment thing. It's not a a scary football club anymore. And it's sad to see. I mean, Chelsea have always literally viewed Tottenham as dog shit. Like Arsenal are our rivals so there is a level of respect for your rival but Chelsea are like no we don't even acknowledge Tottenham as like a real football club they're just like a group of guys who just like hang out sometimes and try to achieve what their cute little their cute little dreams but um that's why I think just just uh consistency now keeping the same unit of players the same coach the same coaching staff giving it a full season because like again at least you know not to bring United back in I use them solely solely for the sake of example but like you said there's a lot more experienced players in that side and there is more of an identity to that side. I think even even with the tactics, me me personally not seeing the tactical goal, but but with Chelsea, I'm like if they have any hope of getting back to to maybe this, you know, whatever they want to be, whatever they decide to be moving forward, but they have to pick something, they have to figure out what they want to look like. It's like Cole Palmer. I, you know what? For the sake of Chelsea, I love that signing because he seemed like he was going to fall into just one of the 30 young players who went over there, but Look, now he's running that like creative midfielder role. He's taking pens. He's looking really confident. Like, at least that's working out. So, stuff like that in Chelsea right now. And I don't know if you guys agree, disagree with maybe how well he's been playing or if this should be the, the business model. But I mean, sign as few players as you possibly can here on out. Maybe like get rid in January. Maybe go for a nine because you do need to replace Jackson, I think. But do you feel like that's fair? Do you feel like yeah. that's correct in any way? Incorrect? I I agree. I think Chelsea needs stability, and that's the only factor they need at the moment. And I think Poch will offer them that because he has the experience in the league. Um, and like things to speak to why Poch deserves more time. I don't think any of the players that he has are his players. Um, and if he's tasked with turning Chelsea around same as Eric Ten Hag you said that Ten Hag's trying to do a million things off of the pitch and that's part of the reason that he's not performing on the pitch you would imagine that Poch has to go and teach Todd Bowley what football is and how it's played and then all the other things but even going forward I think the reason that Poch deserves time is like none of these players are his players he's been there for a lot less time so whereas like United should be hitting stride because Ten Hag's had a full season and now they're approaching a season and a half. Ten Hag or Poch has only been there for a handful of months. Um, and then beyond that, it's always going to be a difficult situation with Chelsea because they were kind of forced into this rebuild. Like, obviously, the club was forced to be sold um, and they have new ownership. There's a lot more moving pieces, I think, when it comes to the club. But the biggest determining factor of if they're going to hit form for me is who's going to be in control of signing players. If it remains as Todd Bowley, Tristan, to your point of like, they need to stop signing players. I don't think Todd Bowley will stop signing players. So someone needs to take the reins 
out of Bowley's hands on who they sign and when they sign players in order to give this club any hope because otherwise they're going to have a full roster turnover in another year. They'll have a new 30 guys in another year. I don't, I don't think it will go that way. I don't think they will allow Potch a full season if he doesn't get things going. That's my point. I think it, um, that's the unfairness to Ten Hag that I see and to Potch. I don't think they will allow these managers to get time um, or, like, consistency. It's, that's just Andrew, do you think, like, look, knowing who Chelsea play their next four games, uh, like knowing what they have down the road, do you think he's going to even survive that? I, I can tell you again in no order. It's Newcastle, Man City, Tottenham, and Brighton. Like so, yeah. th- like, if you look at the Chelsea schedule, realistically, they probably won't win until December 9th or 10th or something like that. Um, do you think he lasts that? Do you think he lasts to January if they do- if they continue to play like shit? You think if they lose to Tottenham on Monday, he's going to get sacked? I think if he loses all ne- like the next four games, I think he'll be sacked by by Christmas. I, I like why like why wouldn't he? Like that's just the way football is and he is more he's more experienced than Ten Hawk. He's more experienced than a lot of the top managers at these clubs. Like he has a lot of Premier League experience, he's got world football experience, some of the top players in the world. Um his success rate is not that high though. It's not that high, but like it doesn't but like he has a CV that is still thick with They're like, paying him the big bucks. Like he is the, he is supposed to be the guy like for Chelsea and he has been for other teams. So yeah, he's only gotten stock because of what he's done. Not because he hasn't like, he's only gotten stock from his career. Not, it hasn't like, I, deterred his career because he didn't win as much as he probably should have. You know what I mean? For sure. I, I think even, and I'll say that see, I agree with you. And even as a Spurs fan is great. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think the trip to the champions league final does a lot of heavy lifting. I will say that I think that's and that's all I would that's all I would say about I that. Had to throw it in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I'm I think I think up, that it, it it is justifiable to to maybe yeah. like you said super experienced, but maybe look at the string of results or where he's been since. And he was very choosy about a job. I, you know, he he wanted the right Premier League job, and he, I think he he knew this was never going to be easy. But I mean, Chelsea's a, a big time job that would call somebody back to the Premier League. But I, I think ownership looks a lot at like style of play and like achievement, like in terms of getting to a final more, not more than trophies, but like it's still impressive if you get to a final, you know what I mean? Like that's still something that people look for and Mm -hmm. yeah. Potch style of play would fit Chelsea's, you know, style of play in terms of like how we've seen them play in the past. Um, So I think unfortunately the cards are against him. I think he'll be sacked by January if he doesn't string results. It's not really, it's just the reality it's, it's of it's not football. that crazy because yeah, if he does lose for another month, like Grand Potter got be in fifteenth place. Grand Potter, I mean? like, Grand Potter got brought in obviously on under like a turmoil moment, but like he got brought in and players got signed for him that he had no control over. I think, and he still got sacked. Like, what's mm-hmm. the difference now? It's just that these players are young. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what, and I'll say this too to sort of uh, conclude and. With all this said, with all of the issues Chelsea are having, I'm still scared shitless for Monday. I'm still Chelsea always show up against Spurs, but what Life I'm thinking Spurs, is we'll, we'll get like <laughs> you're, we'll, you, are, you, are riding like, you are fence yeah, riding like who's Connor. Top of the table you, you, you are fence, fence riding like Connor. You are crazy. That is crazy. It's funny, Tristan. It's funny, Tristan. You turn to the other side, man. It's all Tristan says that now because like like last season they were losing so many of the, against these top teams. Like he, he's always Ever saying did. that these top teams always bring it to him because he's just 
you guys just get beat by bigger teams, like by teams that are on the same level. So that's why you're saying that. Like, <laughs> No, I'm telling you, Chelsea in particular, Chelsea, of all of the big clubs, Chelsea in particular show up and they are prime Barcelona against us twice a season every year, no matter what is happening at the club. Yeah. And when they looked that good against Arsenal a couple matches ago, I was like, see, this is exactly what's going to happen to us. They're going to pick... That's just that special Monday. Mudrick's going to figure it out. Just that Monday, Thiago Silva is going to be 10 years younger with the knees, and he's going to completely lock it down. I am. I'm nervous. I really am nervous. I'm not trying to fence it. I'm not trying to throw opposite luck out into the ether to attend up Spurs winning. But I uh, I don't know. Crazy I don't right know, now. guys. 20 minutes in, they're up 2-0. He's yeah. going to be like... I told you guys. <laughs> I told you so much shit. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Emersinho again. Uh, okay, Connor, now's your uh, moment because, and I'll say this about Liverpool. Right now, it seems like Man City are dominating the, the title contention talk. Arsenal are as well. People are liking to put Tottenham up there, I think, for clicks. But Liverpool, I feel like, are getting the least amount of title charge shouts and are, are perhaps the most well-equipped team for for a run. Just maybe. Do you ag- agree? I know you'll probably sit on a speaking of fence sitting. Here comes the king. <laughs> I mean, I'm... <laughs> No, I'm willing to lean on history and the fact that we are still the only team to really challenge City. Arsenal did make an effort at it, but come the end of the season, the title was already decided. So with the changes that Klopp has made, the players that he's signed, everything does seem to be working. And I'm content with Liverpool being the dark horse, I think, of the top four right now. We are most equipped, but... We know. operate best as the dark horse. Like even even when we're played as favorites, or um, especially when it comes to the Premier League, like that's when typically... have you ever been a dark horse? Yeah, what are you talking? You've about? You've been the most dominant team the last six seasons because you're not City. Like that's so stupid. We are the we are not favored when it comes to City. Who shoots? Who's favored who when did, it comes to City? Whenever, you, whenever, whenever, whenever Liverpool faces off me. Who did you guys select as the title? In your in your predictions, who did you guys pick as the title winners what, for the last whatever six seasons? I think you all picked Manchester what, City for the where, last and where five did we, years. Where did we put Liverpool? Second. Yes, but so what, shut what up. did that make us still? The, Arsenal were no, the dark horses last season. You're not a dark horse. Yeah, we're the dark horse Li- this season. Li- that's where we no, operate. Dude, Liverpool, yeah, yeah, 20, hold on, stop. 2018, did anyone are, expect so, us to be? You operate in shame. My, my only point is whenever Liverpool face City, I don't think anybody goes... Oh, I don't know about Liverpool in this one. No, like, we're the team. Like, yeah, yeah. It's literally going to be the, the hardest fought battle of any like, game. It's usually like the most exciting game we're, of the season. We're the team most equipped to beat so any sh- team on the planet. So, so, so shut up. So, so just thing. stop being a, stop saying you're a dark horse. So stop, yeah. stop no, playing. You, you can say like, every time. Traditionally, we have the, 2005, we were a dark horse. Right, we were a dark horse, dude. 18 years ago. 2018, we were a dark horse. years ago. I don't think anyone expected us to be in that final. But no, I think. You guys are like, it's. It's like you're oh, trying to make wow, it that like really easy list, like derelict club no that's expecting like, you to be in the final. All right, let's let's like either way, either way, easy, either way. Um, regardless of the dark horse, we don't want to like go back and forth for another yeah, ten minutes. No. But um, but yeah, I think Liverpool. I think we are equipped to string it along for an entire season. I think we do need to add players in January. You need that, a center back. That'll be a, probably a segment in future episodes. Um, mm-hmm. 
Tiago's only going to elevate us when he comes back. He hasn't fucking touched the field all <laughs> I season. I felt that guy. Give um, my thumbs up. Dude, but, no, it's, it's over with. Don't bring up Tiago. I mean, maybe argument, maybe please. we sell him, but Pep Linders had a bit today or over the weekend. You to your own bit. But he, said, he, he hailed Tiago in what he could be for this team. And I, I do think that's true because the minute Tiago comes back, we have a very high-quality ball-playing six, despite what his defensive capabilities are or his age. If he's that six that you plug into this team and then you can put McAllister in his true 8-10 position and have Saba's blind next to him, that is a very dynamic midfield. And it's already been dynamic, and that's using players like Curtis Jones, who I know you guys all like to rank on. He hasn't played recently. Um, but Grav, squad player. Graven Birch has been phenomenal. He's Grav, stood Grav, say, Grav is a starting the, 11 player. He didn't play only, well uh, over the weekend. But. The only, I would say the only manager you could say who has had a better response from brand new players has maybe been Ange. But I, even again, even as a Spurs fan, I'd say, and Klopp's always done that too. Ange is doing it this season, but that is like a Klopp staple that I give him credit for is his, his hit list of players he brings in, he rarely misses. I mean, there's a few you could argue that didn't pan out that great, and he's been there a long time now, but everybody he's brought in this season has been very, very strong. I mean, Graven Birch is pretty much has a new career at this point. I think even he said, you know, what Liverpool has done for his career. So I I credit Klopp for that greatly, and I also fear what they'll do in, in January because of it. Yeah, and also just contributing to our ability to go to the distance, I think, is the fact that we're in Europa. We're like... United has to go out and worry about like playing in a UCL match. Arsenal has to do that too, and they have a added pressure when it comes to the Champions League because they always get their feet twisted up. So, like mm-hmm. us being able to go into Europa League, especially as these dent the dense fixture period approaches, we're going to be able to rotate our team midweek more than other sides are going to be able to. And I think as long as we get through December, then we're also a momentum team similar to City where we can string matches. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think a little bit of depth across the back line, like Jalen mentioned, will go a long way because um, I don't think Gomez is the fill-in and Matip's aging. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm optimistic, and I, I've honestly, like, you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, you have, you've had to suffer so many. But, like, after last season, like, it's so enjoyable watching Liverpool play this season because I just love it. Amen to that, brother. Yeah. I'm waiting for those first three losses for Andrew Ange. will be the same way when they start playing forward thinking football. Uh, Ten Hag can do it. Ten Hag ball. Um, or, or, hey, hey, or whatever ball he's trying to play, right? Or yeah. whatever he's trying to do over there. <laughs> All right. Well, before That's we get crazy. into Howler and Baller, we got to talk about the Ballon d'Or BS, which <laughs> the award hasn't hit in the last couple of years, but it it didn't hit this year in a crazy new way. First, uh, just so just so I can get a refresher on this, Jalen, uh, uh, inform me on how this award is actually picked, because I thought I knew. But I mean, this is just what's going on. So it's the FIFA top 100 ranked uh, countries. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that can go all the way down to. USA's first, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And then um, each a, one journalist from each country picks their uh, their top three picks from the top thirty ranked players. So, like the short list is really long that they give in like the beginning of the season, but it gets cut down to thirty. I think Ruben mm-hmm. Diaz was the thirtieth, which is kind of crazy. Again, mm-hmm. but. Um, 
they then pick from that top 30 and they each journalist gives their pick one, two, three. I think it's one, two, three, four, actually. Mm. But I think first is six points, second is four. No, it has to be three then. So And then the third one's two. So essentially this is largely, and thank you for that, by the way, uh, a journalist-influenced award. This is this is something that the journos have the most say in, and this is something that they probably like uh, having a lot of control of. But, I mean, a I lot, been, uh, before, I'm just going to say a lot of sports do that. NBA is like that. I'm pretty sure NHL is like that. I'm, good point. Like, there are a lot of, like, journalists are the, I think when it comes to America, it's like New York Times and, like, athletic and, like, those type of things will give it, but. Hendo did win the, uh, Okay. Right. Anyway, okay. CFA okay. No, writers award or whatever. Don't even finish that sentence. You guys remember thanks, that? <laughs> hey, thanks, Connor. Appreciate that. Might hit uh, him. I, mean, I might hit him. I might hit him. <laughs> Please do. Um, swing that big ass microphone arm around. <laughs> clock him upside the head. Um, and I will say to Jalen's response, I like that. I like the fact that there are people who are experts put in charge to make decisions like this. A fan vote would not work. There's a variety of ways you can you can pick these things, and I like that there are experts however much you want to say that <laughs> that are in charge i think there, people need to know the most about things in order to make these decisions so i like that but to me this award has been sort of broken for a long time and i'm wondering does a journalist just think are, are they typically older in age and are they then thinking mm, i was around when Messi. i still know he's the greatest i've lived through Messi's crazy career i know that he's still the best player on the planet even if that might not be true or even if there might be a more deserving i mean what can I, do, I just don't understand it. It, it. For me, it takes away entirely the significance of it. I've tried to argue this point and not use Premier League players, so I don't sound biased. But again, I bring up Mbappe would have even been a better pick. Vinny Jr. would have been a better pick. It seems like there's so many players, marketable players too, that I know that this is a part of it. And if they just say that, they can pick a marketable guy that's not messy, that is younger, that does get eyeballs to the screen. It's just Nothing about this seems to seems to really matter to me anymore. But Jay, I know you are more of a supporter of the award, so obviously I wanted to give you a chance on air to actually maybe you know pump the other side of the argument a little bit, try to sway my opinion a little bit. I guess. So I think I don't know how true this is, so take it with a grain of salt. But like obviously in the I would say before when did Messi win his first one? Like 2010, 2011. Before that, it really was like the best individual player that year. That's why they were so different. And then Messi won four by the time he was 25. So I think someone I I was reading on like, I don't know if it was The Athletic, but it might have been something different. But basically they were saying the criteria changed and that like basically like if you look at like the Ballon d'Ors, it's basically like who's ever won like the Champions League that year or Mm -hmm. like the World Cup. Like, because if you go individually, Messi would have 15 Ballon d'Ors. He's literally the greatest forward to play the game. Goals mm-hmm. and assists, like, no one comes up to his total number. So then that... Oh, uh, Pele, Pele actually does. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But <laughs> but then you have situations... So, like, the World Cup, like, Champions League final, World Cup, like, Luka Modric, he won... Cristiano won the Champions League that year. Had insane numbers. Luka Modric also won the Champions League, but he brought Croatia, one of the smallest you know, European countries, blah, blah, blah. He brought them to the finals. They lost to France, mm-hmm. but he won it that year. And it's just like, okay, like how did he beat Cristiano to that? Like there was a lot. I remember 2018 was a big like, how the hell did he win that? People were happy, but. It was because it was different. Yeah. yeah, it was different. 
And then obviously Robert Lewandowski, he couldn't win that year because of COVID, but he was probably, I don't remember a player that's won six trophies in a year. And the goals he scored. And the goals he scored. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know Messi probably did it. I think Frank Ribery or like did it. But well, like that season. Yeah, that season. So like, again, he missed out on it. Messi wins the next year. And then this year, it's tough. I mean, if they switch places, like, could we say that Messi would have won over Holland if Holland did what he, if Holland was in Messi's shoes, was so involved in Argentina and Norway winning the, the World Cup? Like, would, would Holland have won over Messi if Messi did the domestic trouble? Mm. There's a lot. I, that's where I think it is. I think Messi deserves it. Like, I was like a firm, like, no, no, there's no way he deserves it. He deserves it. But I do think it, it was to a point where it's like, all right, when does it, what do you have to do to beat this, to to win over Messi? I mean, no, he broke so many records Holland did, and he won the treble. It's... I, I mean, I would be absolutely gutted. Do you think the players, what do you think the players even think of? Like, that's where I would say where it, where it means the most. If the players, and I can't imagine that they looked at the award this year, like all of the oh. city guys are talking to Holland going, dude, you know, that's complete garbage. Like you were obviously the person. Who should no, I don't you know, know if they are. Rodri, Rodri was like, Messi, Messi should and, win it. And that's why I think it's important to know. And that's not something I think about because I think of it should as the, players the old ball and door. But like, Everyone, honestly, every player, every manager says has said that Messi deserves it this year, and that's where the the award has kind of changed and what it means. And awarding it to the best footballer on the planet is opposed to awarding it for who was the best footballer that season. That seems to be the shift that the award has made, and that's why even Manchester City's manager, it's, it's a statement from a while ago, when Pep said, like, obviously Messi should win it, he's the best player in the world. So, like, that's now what the yeah. Ballon d'Or, unfortunately, means, and that's where players like Holland are going to be robbed of it, whereas previously it was the best player that year. It's about the story. I, it yes, is. It's, it's, about, it's, it's about the story. The, like, it's about the story. That's why Modric won it. Obviously, he played phenomenally that season, and he, like we somebody mentioned, Croatia was to the final. That's a story. Like you have to, yeah, you have to give it. Like everyone, like, you have Good to point. do it. You gotta do it, but you don't have to do it, and it's that's where it's kind of lost its value. That's and, what journalists do. They write well, stories. Like right? I don't want to downplay the World Cup ever because I'm a big World Cup guy. Like I think it's the like more important than cha- like multiple champions leagues like that's he, why messi yeah. like they're always grasping at the story cuz it's a month never, of good football he football. never he never won it and like so i don't want to downplay the achievement obviously the achievement means a lot but like i don't know it's it's hard to was it the story of him winning the world cup or was it the story of him completing this his masterful journey of that's what I think it's both i think it's it, both yeah. then it's like you could get into so many different things to analyze cuz it's like no one's mess. No one's story compares to Messi. Why like, the fuck did Michael I mean? Owen win it that season? Because he was the best footballer on the planet in 2006. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, that's I, why. I think that, that putting it like that is is really beautiful. You're right. It, it, it is a wonderful story, probably deserving of the Ballon d'Or. But you know what? Make the beautiful story award, and I'm not even remotely <laughs> kidding. Make make an award that means that. But the but the best player on the planet who had played on the most successful team, you mix that in a big pot. It just wasn't it wasn't messy. You know, he again had the best story. But there's a few players I think I I'd argue you could maybe put ahead. But 
but there's also something beautiful to that. There's also something really amazing sending him off kind of with that. But I, I feel like even though I, I feel that way, as soon as you mend what it actually means, as soon as you compromise it, even slightly, it just sort of makes kind of a mockery of the whole thing, which it's, is what like next year I'll look forward to it, which I think maybe you guys would be in agreement of that next year. It'll start to get really yeah. good and you'll probably start to see it mean something. That's it's bullshit. I think it's I think it's bullshit. I, th- I, I, don't, like, I, I don't I don't think he deserves it. I think he deserves the World Cup. That could be the way he ends his career. He went to the MLS. His career's over. Like, mm-hmm. let's not sit here and think that he's the best footballer in the world. Like it, the, he is. He's the best footballer of all time. Was he yeah. the best footballer in 2023? Absolutely not. Oh. It's a mm-hmm. joke to even consider him thinking that he deserves the Ballon d'Or because he won a trophy. That was a team effort, but he also was instrumental in that. It's so To me, it's fucking stupid, and I think the Ballon d'Or is a joke. They have TikTokers there. I show Speed, who I'm a fan of, is there, and he's saying that he's Portuguese, Portuguese, and barking. Like, like it's, it's just a joke. Like, I get it. Yeah. You got to make it fun for everybody, but like, there's something about keeping things at least from a football perspective, when something that I really care about, like keeping it like what, it, like the honor and like of the game, like the, it's called a beautiful game and for a reason. Like it's about what a player does in a season, not what he does in a month. Like, yeah. and it's unfortunate because now looking ahead, it's like, it feels like we've been sending Messi off for now three seasons. Yeah. We're yeah. like, yeah. Oh yeah. He's sending him off with the ball. But he left Barcelona. Now, he, he, like, now he it's the- like, you look at like, what is Holland's legacy going to be? Like there is someone that has to come after Messi. And now like, Say Holland falls off, we could still say that he's one of the greatest strikers to ever play. But now he like doesn't have a Ballon d'Or to play into his in to his favor, and or even an Mbappe. Like those are players that are supposed to be the next generational talents who are now being robbed by the sending off yeah. of Messi on this. We've had three send offs. We left Barcelona when he won the yeah. World Cup, and now he won the Ballon yeah. d'Or. And I we're love have Messi, another but like MLS come on, because he owns the MLS now. So you know, Inter Miami is going to be like. We'll do the Messi send-off special, and we'll make it three and a half hours long, and we'll pack the stadium, and then we'll go to another club, and then they'll have they'll go to like Boca Juniors or something, and then you'll have like Boca Juniors send off for Messi. I do think there needs to be a stopping point. I'm not saying it's a selfish thing, but think I wish stand that wherever he goes, it's going to become this big giant thing. And to your point, then it'll have to then it'll be another part of the story. We'll have to give him another Ballon d'Or for <laughs> scoring in like the like the. Antarctic in league or something like <laughs> crazy like that. But either way, I think next year it'll start to be a much more fun award, something we can really uh, look forward to. But before we go, howler of the weekend, baller of the weekend, do either of you ha- have any uh, passion about where we start or what we start with? Baller. Baller. Okay. Uh, Jay, you go first. Uh, pass for right now. I, <laughs> I have a howler. Never mind. I realize Connor, I don't have a baller. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, mine's Saba's lie. Offered two assists on the day. He's been Liverpool's engine and mm-hmm. um, finally got rewarded for it. And he's been their most influential player in the team this season with like the most created chances, the most key passes, um, the most big chances created, all of that. So uh, he certainly has earned his shout. Um, baller is Eddie and Katia. Yeah. Patrick. That's good. I mean, self-explanatory. I, uh, Jay, I'll give you more time to think. I would go it's Bernardo like, Silva. I think to add, he's probably quietly been Manchester City's best player collectively in the last three seasons, and that is obviously saying something seismic. You could debate that. Everyone could, but top to bottom, in terms of consistency, I don't know that there's been a better guy wearing the Citizens kit. Uh, and he, he just, 
absolutely showed that if you give him a lot of space to run in the midfield, that he'll just run it all day. Gets an easy assist with Holland. I mean, he, he just oozes class. And Pep has also been very vocal about saying, hey, we'll suck if we lose him. He's the we need to keep him. He worked. They worked so hard to convince him to stay. So I think that says a lot. But it's uh, it's Bernie for me. I have my baller. Does it have to be a player? It doesn't have to be, right? No. No. Mine's Unai Emery. Hell yeah, dude. I actually love Jay's thinking outside the box this week. I love his baller as a coach. I don't I could have done that with Ange every week. I might start now that I know that's the rule. <laughs> no, oh, why no, no <laughs> oh my god. No, the Just past answer the week, question, Jay. Why Unai? Uh the past well, they won against Luton, which I'm not gonna say is like some great achievement. No, no no offense to any <laughs> Luton fans. But uh they also had Europa that league. There's there's storm I, they've just been storming the past like well, I can say month, but the last like three weeks, it's been very, it's been very, it's been very evident. And John McGinn is out of this world too. I was gonna, yeah, that goal was nasty. So I, I think he hasn't planned some, uh, some, some right ball. Johnny McGinn should be who Chelsea spend all their money on. Like that's just a guy you'd add to that list. Seriously, that's a guy who you'd, he would be a lot of money. I don't even know if when I'd let him go, but it's like those, those are the dudes. They're right under your nose. They're right in front of you. Um, okay, baller or howler. Sorry, I will go first. Uh, my howler was Nike coming out with the Marcus Rashford boot this weekend. <laughs> I, I mean, I could you, could you, this is nothing against Rashford who I think will find his form at some point. And I, this is nothing against Nike. Cause I'll say it out loud. I'm a Nike boy for life. I love Nike, but oh man, such horrible timing for the Marcus Rashford boot to come out. The comment sections like, oh, th- th- are these the boots he dribbles right into a defender? with? I can't wait to do it. Just like him. Like, are these uh, the boots that he hasn't registered? So it's just a tough time for the shoe to come out. I mean, it is kind of a bummer, but it's also there's a degree of comedy to it that where I saw the Instagram pop up and I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go over well. Um, I'm going to kind of I'm kind of like double dipping from a previous one, but it's finding out about how in depth this Sancho saga was and him basically just being like, nah, I don't think I played poorly. Just like telling the manager off. I think that's just like and like the players saying like they're surprised that he like came out that message because they were all there yeah. where like he didn't play well yeah and they're yeah. just like the fact that ten hawk showed him training clips and he still denied it he's like no 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 mate no like, mate. How can you... he's also like isn't he like shunned like a puppy who pissed on the carpet he's like <laughs> yeah. can't go in the clubhouse or he has to like eat he trains train alone he trains alone it's like a way alone the he's he... exiled he's he's well, out in january Oh, yeah, he's going back to Dortmund, 100%. Yeah, scored 20 and 20 again. <laughs> it's Union Berlin. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can Jay. go. Or Connor. This is... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know. Keep it simple. Uh, Pedro Poro ducked header on the week post. Stop. Get, no, <laughs> get out of here. Oh, my God. Oh, you guys would be Poro's lighting up Trent. version of victory over you, Crystal Palace. You, you your would howler. be lighting up Trent. Tottenham, done Tottenham he, slander is no longer allowed. He literally <laughs> jumped to win the head ball, and the ball went right over his head, and he went. He's got to. He's he, easily got to be one of the worst fullbacks defensively. He tucked You're, into a turtle all, shell. One of the worst. You know who's up there? Yeah, the guy in the red kit. Uh, as if we've never seen a Trent right back howler come. Oh, my lord! Well, Shameless. there's another boy in the league that's doing the same. So Pedro Porro's been a top five Premier League right back this season. He's I will, been a winger. no defensive capability yeah. to his. You game. bring Emerson on in the 75th minute for a reason almost every game. <laughs> Emerson's been great too. 
Leave yeah, him out of this. For, to defend. Ducked, ducked header. Man, shameless defending. Two to one, top of the league. Yeah. We beat you. So there's always that. <laughs> uh, Jalen, who's, uh, who's your howler? I, I think I already said it earlier in the, the pod, but Matson on that second goal. Did you guys see how he flew when he got hit? That brother got oh, yeah. knocked out. Like... <laughs> His like he's tiny too. Like when and I don't think it was in Buemo that hit him, but when he got hit, he was like, <laughs> he fell like a, like the Family Guy cartoon fall, like the uh, arm behind the back. Yeah, when Peter Griffin falls down, yeah, the his arms are like, <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah, he fell like he's yeah. never been pushed to the ground before. Like someone who didn't ex- never experience what that was like. Uh, I love it, guys. I love the Howlers, and I love the Ballers of the Weekend, and that is Howlers Podcast number whatever number it is. 183, I think. 183? Damn. We might we might be wrong about that, but we'll see you all very soon. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Howlers Podcast. Comment your thoughts on this episode on all of our social media platforms. Till next time. <laughs>